Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Oakley, Oakley, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Eskimos head to Vancouver tomorrow. The game is Thursday against the BC Lions, who uh, the Eskimos fell behind against earlier in the season back on June 29th, but then stormed to a 41-22 win. Our broadcast will start with Dave and Morley at 6 o'clock on Thursday. The game will kick off at 8. Great to have you tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 7.06. Uh, man, it is going to be a hot one this week. I think we're going to be pushing uh, 34, 35, 36 on Friday. That's going to be pretty incredible. Uh, and, of course, we are uh, going through the Eskimo season. I, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter and social media, counting down to uh, hockey. Peter Shirelli was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. You can get that full interview by going to the Oilers Now page on 630ched.com. The uh, rivalry between the Oilers and the Flames, as we have uh, often discussed on this show, has not been one of much significance, well, really for a long time. I still remember one of our listeners dubbed it the pillow fight of Alberta. Uh, some games with a little more intensity over the last two years. Uh, we'll see if it can be ramped up even further this year. Pat Steinberg is my buddy from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Pat, how's it going? Well, at least we've had in recent memory five meaningful games between the Oilers and Flames. I think five is a fair number because we had four the year they both made the playoffs. Uh, the Oilers, of course, won all four of those games. Uh, and then last season, we had one. The first game of the yeah, season. The first game of the year. And, and uh, that was the night that Connor McDavid beat the Flames 3 nothing. So they've, they've played five significant games in recent memory, and the Oilers just happened to have won all five of them. But you're right. It's been pretty brutal otherwise. Uh, well, yeah, five, five games of significance for, for both teams. Um well, you know, I guess those games in March, it was pretty much over for the Flames last year, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, they, they were, and if it wasn't over, over, they were enough of a downward spiral that you look back on it and say it really wasn't uh, that meaningful. But those those two games they played in January of 2017, the weekend, kind of weekend home-and-home home series, where they played two Saturdays in a row. Yeah. As, as much as the fact the Oilers won both those games, won in a shootout, and they came to Calgary and blew the Flames out the, the next Saturday, but those two games, at least going into them, had the feel of a big Battle of Alberta game. You went into them, you're like, geez, like this, this is for playoff positioning. Both teams are fighting near the top of the, the Pacific Division. Like These are big games. I'd like I'd like a little bit more of that because they, they were pretty cool. The atmosphere at the dome that night uh, before the Oilers got out to a six nothing lead or whatever it was was pretty cool. Uh, so if we could get more of that, I'm all for it. 
Well, there was a little bit of uh, hatred, at least last year, with Smith and Lucic and, and Glass. But, but again, probably uh, a reminder for the rest of the NHL, uh, just don't wake up Milan Lucic. Because if he doesn't, he doesn't fight. And as we found out in the second half of last year, he doesn't score. I know a lot of debate about that contract. There was a player... Certainly not on the on the level of of Lucic or as big a name or as big a money, um, but whose contract was criticized by uh, fans of the Calgary Flames, and they uh, recently decided to move on. Why didn't it work for Troy Brower in Calgary, Pat? Uh, plan simple. He just he was he was not a very good player. You know it 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 started it started okay. His first month or so with the team. He was all right. Had a couple of good games. He and Christopher Stieg, who know each other pretty well, going back to the Chicago Blackhawks games, the Blackhawks days rather. They, they they seem to have decent chemistry playing on a line with one another, and it started okay in the fall of 2016. But I want to say sometime in November, December, it started to to really turn sour, and and it took a sour turn, but it was a predictable sour turn, like. When the Flames signed Brower, it didn't look like a good contract right from the get-go. And one of the, the writers down here for the Athletic, Kent Wilson, I think, at the time put it up there, said these are the warning signs for a bad contract. A guy who is coming off a really good playoff year like he was coming off that with St. Louis. They got to the Western Conference Final in his final year there. And he comes in over the age of 30 as a free agent. He, a lot of people talk about his intangibles and, and his grit and that type of stuff. There's a lot of different bullet points that would lead you to believe that assigning Troy Brower to a four-year contract at $4.5 million per just didn't really put them in a, a great situation to win that contract. But I don't think anybody saw it going as poorly as it did halfway through. Last, last year and through the second half of his first year, so for a good year and a half, it became clear beyond a shadow of a doubt that Brower could not play in the top six. He was signed to play in the top six. He couldn't play there. He was even fairly mediocre playing in a third-line role. He, he really had to be put in a fourth-line winger role and got some penalty killing and power play time here and there, which you know a lot of people didn't like down here because he was so ineffective in so many different ways. And i, I got to be honest with you, Reader, I did not see the Flames buying him out. I was a little surprised to see. I, I knew that there was a, a chance they could because they had that second buyout window that opened up, but I was uh, a little shocked to see them go down that road, mainly because... There's two years left on his deal. The Flames have bought out contracts before. They bought out Shane O'Brien. They bought out Mason Raymond. But those guys were both entering their final year. Two years left of a contract that pays $4.5 million per. That's a decent number of years of dead cap space. Now four years with dead cap space for the Flames so they could buy out Brower. But by doing that, it gave them the flexibility that they needed to be able to sign the contracts they had to sign, including the last one that they've got to get done in newcomer Noah Hannafin. So they they weren't going to be able to be fully compliant, most likely, or they're going to be really tight under the cap if they didn't buy out Brower. So that's going to allow them to sign Hannafin. It's going to allow them to keep some breathing room. It allowed them to sign James Neal and Derek Ryan's free agency and and do so comfortably. So it, it was surprising. I didn't see it coming, but you understand the reasoning. And more than anything else, from a hockey perspective, Troy Brower and the Flames, they just did not click. You know, it, uh, and again, it's not directly comparable because Lucic was clearly a, you know, when he's played well, he's a better offensive player than Brower. And there's, you know, an age difference as well. But, I mean, you said that 
Brower was signed to play in the top six, and that's why I still think the Oilers will give Lucic a chance to be on the second line when the season starts, simply because of that contract. And I think they have to say to the guy, you know, we're go- we're going to assume that that was just the worst four months of your life, and and you're going to get back to that level. And I know I've gotten texts, well, why why Lucic get chances when Puljujarvi didn't? Or like, mm-hmm. it's simple. It, it, history like you you, you got to trust the guy especially when you give him that money is is it fair well no it isn't but if you want pro sports to be fair you should stop watching now well and and Lucic had the you know had the ability to make an impact in year one because they, they both signed in the same summer and so they both came to alberta at the same time and, and Lucic was an impact maker in year one with the oilers i think everybody looked at that contract and said gee you know the the seven years at six million dollars is has got the chance of being pretty prohibitive by the end. But, you know, you, you saw Lucic make that impact. The Oilers got back to the playoffs. They won around, should have won two. And you're saying, okay, Lucic made an impact in year number one. And, and obviously, Lucic wasn't alone, but so many things dropped off in, in year number two of, of his contract there. So th- there really wasn't even that goodwill built up for Brower. I mean, maybe uh, a month where, you know, he wasn't, public enemy number one we both do call-in shows i know how often you got uh you got calls about milan lucic well it's the same down here about brower like it was every single night somebody's calling in to talk about troy brower's contract or why is troy brower getting so much power play time or why is brower getting so much penalty kill time and why haven't they bought him out why'd they sign him in the first place so on and so forth he became that whipping boy and every team's got him and and brower became that guy and i get it because you don't want to have a four and a half million dollar player being on your fourth line. It was it was a bad signing, and and the fact that Brad Treliving, the general manager down here, uh, actually went out of his way to buy it out. I mean, you don't see that very often because anytime a contract's bought out, it's an admission that you made a mistake. Anytime that you take the financial hit and cap hit and cap penalty that you do for buying out a contract, it, it tells you that. It was not a good idea to sign that contract in the first place. And, you know, sometimes the mistake level is lower, but this, this one is clearly admitting that, Troy Brower, we made a bad call in signing him to that deal, and you don't always see GMs do that. So, you know, it's an admission of a mistake. It gives them some cap room going forward, and, and we'll see where Brower ends up landing. And I, I do see some comparables with Lucic, but, you know, Lucic also has – a number of 60-plus point seasons under his belt already, and he's got a Stanley Cup ring and all those types of things. And Brower's got a Cup ring, too, but uh, I, I think Lucic's track record was a little bit better than Brower's overall coming into their time with their new teams. Pat Steiber joining us from Sportsnet 916 Calgary. Pat, it, it's fair to say that, in general, you to be successful in the NHL, you need some cheaper, younger players to really assert themselves and play as as high in the lineup as they can. The Oilers are certainly hoping to get that out of some younger players this year. One guy who the Flames might be wanting that from, well, are wanting that from, and I want to ask you about him because he is from the Edmonton area, and, uh, you know, maybe he he was looking at the Oilers coming out of Union College. He did get into four NHL games Mm. last year. He scored twice. Uh, He's 24 years old, so more mature uh, physically than, than than some guys who might have been drafted. Uh, though he hasn't played a lot of NHL games. What what do you think they are looking for, expecting, hoping for Spencer Fu this season? I think they're hoping and expecting him to be a full-time NHLer this year. Fu made huge strides. When he came in, 
so, so the Flames kind of won the Spencer Fu lottery. They signed him to the contract. His numbers coming out of Union College were stupid good. Like you don't see numbers quite that high in college hockey very often. So he comes in out of Union College, signs with the Flames, goes to the American Hockey League. And in the first half of the season with the AHL Stockton Heat, he was not much of an impact maker. His numbers were not strong. He was not getting a ton of you know top unit work and. All of a sudden, something clicked about midway through the season. I think it was just a comfort thing more than anything else. Never played pro hockey before, never played a pro hockey schedule before, and things kind of clicked for Fu. And his second half of the season in Stockton was really, really strong. And his goal totals rose not just incrementally, but exponentially. He earned that call-up in some of those meaningless games at the end of the season, and he performed well. And now all of a sudden, with Brower gone, and with some of the moves they've made, there's some there's some interesting spots open in the bottom six for this team, and specifically on the fourth line, there's some interesting spots open. And I think Fu comes into camp with a real opportunity to win a spot. You'd say, well, there's a guy who scored the way he did at Union College. Is a fourth line fit good for him? Well, I'd counter that with this. Teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets and Toronto Maple Leafs have done a really good job of kind of changing the paradigm when we talk about fourth lines. We're not talking about, you know, the enforcers, the muckers and grinders, the guys that are just out there to kill time. And they've really gone about it differently. And, you know, Sam Gagne with some power play time and some fourth line time. You know, two seasons ago, Gagne put up really strong numbers. And they were able to turn their fourth line into a skill unit. They matched up against other fourth lines, and they were able to get some offense from those guys. Toronto at times has played William Nylander on their fourth line as their fourth line center. So I take a look at where the Flames are right now. I see them sign Derek Ryan, and he'll probably be their 3C this year. So if you've got Mark Jankowski as your fourth center, and one of his wingers is Spencer Fu, and you use them like a skilled fourth line, I think that they can put up some decent numbers in that spot. So I think, I think the expectation for Fu is to push in training camp, to make life difficult for management, and, and to really force himself out of the team. I think they expect him, if not to be a full-time NHLer come October 3rd or 4th when they start the season, to be a full-time NHLer at some point by the end of the season. I think that's what the expectation is. I think it's a fair expectation. And from the steps that Boo's taken, the strides that he has moved forward, I think he's got a realistic chance of doing that. Pat, before I let you go, the Calgary Stampeders are on a bye this week. They will remain undefeated at 7-0. and I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, I'll, I'll just put it this way, and, I, and I, I, I think they are appreciated. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but is, is the team as appreciated as it should be? By uh, the fans in nope. Southern Alberta, okay, like, because because you're are we sitting there thinking, like, wake me for the West Final or like, what's it like down there? W- wake me for the Grey Cup. Right. They, they, they've <laughs> been they've been the head and shoulders best team in the CFL for the last what, three four years. Okay, so when Mike Riley and the Eskimos won their Grey Cup, was that twenty? Uh, 2015, yeah. So when the when the Eskimos won the Grey Cup in 2015, the Eskimos were the best team in the CFL that year. Uh, Chris Jones had them playing at a at a high clip. Riley remains the best player in the league, but was the best player in the league that year. That defense was outstanding. The Eskimos were the best team. But 2016, 2017, now into 2018. Calgary St. Peters, for two-plus seasons consecutively, have been in a different stratosphere when it comes to their regular season play. They are ridiculously good and the the gap 
from Calgary to the next best team, which just happens to be, I think, the Eskimos, is pretty large right now. I don't think anybody can put together the same things that the Calgary Stampeders can in all facets of their game. Their defense is next level, maybe the best defense I've ever seen the Stampeders put together. Devon Claybrooks is working magic right now with that defensive unit. The way they control the ball, their time of possession, and the fact that they don't let the other team grab the ball, have the ball, uh, is, is working wonders for them offensively. They've got a good special team. Like This team is just as, as good as it comes. But that's great. You can you can go 18-0 in the regular season until you beat an East Division team in the Grey Cup and until they can find a way not to choke against inferior Ottawa and Toronto teams. Nobody cares. I mean, you couple that with the fact that the facility down here, I know Commonwealth Stadium is old in terms of years, but they've put money into refurbishing it and renovating it and turning it into a facility that can still stand up modern day. I enjoy going to Commonwealth Stadium. It's a fun place to watch a game, and I know it's not perfect. I know it's got a track around it, but Commonwealth Stadium looks like the Taj Mahal compared to McMahon Stadium. I believe McMahon Stadium may be the worst professional or college sporting venue in North America. It is an absolute wasteland dump that needs to be demolished or $500 million or something needs to go into it to, to remodel it because it, it, it's terrible. And, and when you couple metal bench seats in an awful stadium with a team that has, has kind of created this regular season fatigue for themselves by being so good and then not getting it done when it matters the most, no, I don't think they're appreciated for what they're doing right now. And I get it. If I'm a fan, do I want to go to McMahon Stadium on a, on a hot and or cold night and, and be uncomfortable and watch and then and then potentially see them lose out in the Grey Cup once again? I understand it. Now, personally, I've got a great deal of appreciation for what they're doing because they, they are as well-rounded a group as I can remember in recent years in the league. But no, in this market, I think that, that fatigue and coupling that with uh, a not very good building and the fact that this is still a town run by the hockey team, uh, I, I would say no, they're not as appreciated as they should be right now. Pat, those were very strong words on uh, on McMahon Stadium, and uh, oh. I'm sure many Eskimos fans who go down there for the Labor Day game uh, probably agree. Hopefully that at some point is taken care of. That would be encouraging. Hey, thanks for interrupting your workout to come on Inside Sports. I'm sure your muscles will still grow at an incredible rate. I have so much more motivation now to finish my workout <laughs> after hearing your sultry tones. That is Pat Steinberg, always complimentary. Checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Uh, good banter there about the Battle of Alberta. and. Uh... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A little bit on the Flames and Stampeders as well, and the Stampeders are uh, are an awesome team, and we'd be talking about them a lot differently had they won even one of the last two Grey Cups. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
Helenka Gretzky Cup going on at Rogers Place tonight. Canada playing its second game tonight, taking on Slovakia. And we are about halfway through the first period, still looking for the first goal in that game. You can text 630-630. John has written in. He goes, I agree with Pat's comments about McMahon Stadium, but we need to remember it's the University of Calgary Stadium. They are the owners, so any discussion about it needs to go through them. That is uh, from John to 630-630. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they had that, they had that big proposal uh, went over a year ago, I guess, the Calgary Next project where they'd have the rink and they'd build a new football stadium. Now, the Stampeders are owned by the Flames, uh, which is not the situation, obviously, here in Edmonton. The Oilers are, or the Eskimos are community-owned, which means that they, they're a group of about 90 people who are shareholders uh, in the team, and they're not in it uh, for profit. But uh, so you know, but they've put they have put money into Commonwealth Stadium. They invest anything that they make back into the team, back into the stadium. Uh, for example, the LED banner that goes around the uh, the facing between the two decks that was that was put in by uh, by the community owners. But anyway, yeah, it's and, and the uh, the hockey arena in Calgary talks for that have kind of stalled as well. So that'll be a story that we keep an eye on in our fair province. So yeah, eight and a half minutes left in the first period. No score, Canada and Slovakia. Speaking of the Eskimos, center Justin Sorensen will check in before we say goodbye tonight. Oh, and this is going to be fun. We haven't had this dude on in a while. Chris Sheets from Kissing Country. 103 point. What a weekend he had. Sideline at the Eskimos game on Thursday. Then he goes to Big Valley. He's coming up. Listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Still no score. Canada, Slovakia. Three and a half minutes left in the first period at Rogers Place. Canada's second game at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. They play again tomorrow against Sweden. The semifinals are Friday. The gold medal game will be on Saturday. Baseball tonight. Well, Blue Jays had a lead. It's now gone. 5-3 for the Red Sox in the top of the eighth. And in the Western Major Baseball League, the Edmonton Prospects trailing Medicine Hat 1-0 in Medicine Hat. That game in the bottom of the second inning. Game three tomorrow at 7 at Remax Field. If the Prospects win uh, at least one of those two games, then there will be uh, game four Thursday at Remax Field. So we'll keep you updated on that one. My name is Reed Wilkins. Pleasure to be speaking with you tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am pleased to welcome back to the program one of my all-time favorite co-workers from Kissing Country 103.9. It is Chris Sheets. Chris, how's life, buddy? Of all of your co-workers, Reed, I'm one of them. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, yeah. I actually don't see you that often, despite we work for the same company in the same building. Yeah, uh. yeah no, it's it's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I, upstairs, we it's funny because our our keys, like we've got these cards that get us into places, and uh, none of the uh, Kiss and Country announcers' key, uh, card keys actually work to get up to Chad. I don't know why. I think <laughs> That's Bob hilarious. Layton has a restraining order on all of us. <laughs> well, I saw a lot of you on social media over the weekend, both your own and our uh, our various station accounts. Uh, I mean, first of all, how many big valleys is this for you now, Chris? You know what? It's twenty six. Oh. I've been I've been there every every year. I started at, at Kissing, I guess, three years before the first big valley jamboree, and uh, and I've been out to each and every one of them. And and it's funny because my children are now twenty one and twenty three, and they haven't missed a big valley in their lives either. 
So they've been out there since uh, my son was like two months old, the first big valley he went to. So, yeah, it's, it, it's just part of our lives I've, I've said it's it's kind of like christmas and and uh, thanksgiving and play you know it's just every year in the calendar it's august long weekend it's the big valley jamboree and, and it's a lot of other families uh you know one guaranteed stop uh, every summer too is there a most memorable live performance and i'm putting you on the spot here but do you have yeah. a most memorable live performance from all those years you know uh, Matt and Jack that work with me, they laugh at me all the time because they say, whatever you saw last is always your favorite right. thing. Like, I've got the attention span of a goldfish. So if, whatever movie I saw last, for example, Mamma Mia, here we go again, favorite movie of all time. Guess which movie I saw last? Uh, and it's the same at, at Big Valley. Zach Brown Band actually might have been one of the best um, uh, that I've ever seen, and that was quite a few years ago now. But this past year, that's the great thing about country music now, because my two favorite uh, performances were probably Alabama coming back. They've, uh, they're, they're going 50 years in country music, and they, they put on a show that we'll never, ever forget on Saturday night. It was just like a, it was like a spiritual thing. It was beautiful. And then the next night, uh, Florida Georgia Line comes on, completely different, of course, what they do compared to what Alabama does. But they were both fantastic in their own ways, and that's the great thing about country music is, is it goes from A to Z, you know, and it, it really does now. Chris Sheets from Kissing Country 103.9 joining us on uh, on Inside Sports. So, uh, the uh, I mean, the the when people come up and talk to you at at Big Valley, uh, yeah. I mean, what do they say? Like, because you're, I mean, you're the the voice for these people in the morning. You're you're, yeah. I mean, you're synonymous with Kissing Country in my yeah. mind. Like, I even knew about you before I started working at Chet. Uh, Reed, you want yeah, you want to know what they say to me when they come up to me at Big Valley after. Uh, being there for 26 years, they they say, "Hey, Chris, do you really love your my pillow as much as you say you do?" <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually sad. That's so sad. Now, did you, I'm did, like, is there nothing else I can talk to you about? But but this pillow that I sell you on the radio. Now, did you take your my pillow to Big Valley? I think that's the most important question. You know what? I didn't, uh, and I had, and we we've graduated over the years. We've spent. Uh, uh, many years in, in trailers, and, and but in the last couple of years, I've been lucky enough to stay um, at a hotel there. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to complain about the pillow because there's a lot of people sleeping in tents and sleeping just in the grass, but I should have took my pillow with me. All right. Uh, Chris, You, uh, what was a bigger thrill for the for the long weekend? Sidelines for Eskimos beating the Riders or Big I mean, you, you were on a high for like four days. You, you know saw- what? The second, the, the second biggest question people asked me on the weekend, Reed, because I missed the Thursday kickoff party, which was a sold-out event and was awesome at Big Valley because of my responsibilities as the on-field host of the Eskimo games. But all weekend long, people were asking me about that football game. I loved that football game. Like, I really did. And you're right. I, I just came rolling into Big Valley. Almost every year, it seems like there's a game in and around the August long weekend for the Eskimos. They seem to always play a home game uh, this week, so I'm always kind of going out to back to Big Valley after. I can tell you there's a big difference between a win compared to a loss, uh, just for me driving out to Camrose. And I, I love that game. I know that uh, there, you know, it wasn't a perfect game, but man, just being on the on the field, whenever the riders are here, there's always a great buzz in the crowd. But I just I felt like it was a playoff game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a, a very tense game. Back and forth, uh, good defense, some big offensive plays. You, you know, uh, I think a bit of a coaching uh, chess match as well. That that was a fun one. And, and for us, the right team uh, came in on top. Okay, so let me ask you this. So 
because uh, in, in, you know I'm I'm relatively ignorant in general and specifically um, specific related to country music. So yeah, what's yeah yeah you're ignorant when it comes to country music. I agree. <laughs> yes. So what's the next? I mean, is this is this the biggest? Then this is huge. Yeah. So what what else could fans look forward to uh, live wise in the Edmonton area for seeing anybody live? I mean, we're looking at well, Rogers Place acts. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, we've got uh, September 22nd. He's almost like the Rogers Place host band. In fact, he played the very first event at Rogers Place. Uh, Keith Urban is coming back uh, to Edmonton. And, uh, you know, if, if you're somebody on Chad, and I know not everybody uh, listening to Chad right now is a country music fan, but uh, Keith Urban, uh, you, you can't help but appreciate him. He is an unbelievable performer. And so uh, he's, he's coming back, and he's playing at Rogers Place. That's, uh, that's the first big one coming uh, for us. There's another country music event uh, happening in Calgary, I think, this coming weekend, if I'm not mistaken, Country Thunder. It's kind of like Big Valley, but it's not. It's in town, so there's not, you know, 25,000 people don't come with trailers and tents and stay overnight. It's a different kind of event, but that's uh, coming up very, very shortly. And uh, I think there's some other, some other major announcements that are on the way shortly that I, I'm not allowed to say anything about or I'd get in big trouble. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that's no, no, I'm, no, I'm titillated. Oh, it's serious, yeah. <laughs> it's serious. <laughs> it is, it's out, yeah. But uh, there's, there's, some, there's some big stuff coming for sure. All right. Well, Chris, I, I always love talking music and sports and radio and just life in general with you, so uh, we'll, we'll yep. have to do this more often. It's been a long overdue appearance for you on the show. Glad you're doing well, buddy. Thank you. Do you mind if I really quickly, one final thing about Big Valley, uh, and you talked about me coming back uh, to Big Valley after the football game on Thursday night, and I I sent out a tweet that actually blew up, and very few of my tweets ever blow up, but this one does, and this sums up Big Valley, and it sums up a lot of different events, and I think uh, my tweet said, got to BVJ after midnight last night, and everywhere I looked, there was a girl crying. It's the opposite of Disneyland, the unhappiest place on earth. The good news is they'll recover this morning and cry again tonight. Oh, my goodness. And that's what happens. I heard girls, I saw girls crying, and then their girlfriend saying, you don't need that cowboy anyway. Don't worry. That's so, awesome. That is awesome. Chris, it's I'll talk true, to you. and I don't think, you didn't break any of those hearts, did you, Reed? No, I wasn't there. Don't worry. I would never break anybody's heart. Maybe Brendan Ulrich. Well, he broke my heart. He's he left <laughs> yeah. Oilers now. <laughs> now, I can, now I only have Bob to talk to. How do you think I feel? <laughs> he, he, left you, he left you sitting on the curb crying. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> we'll see you soon, buddy. Thanks, Reed. Chris Sheets checking in from Kissing Country 103.9. He's, he's, he is an awesome guy. Uh, I, I mean, one of those, he comes across as fun-loving and genuine on the radio. That is exactly what he's like. Love having him on the show. Great representatives of, of our stations here at Chorus and uh, everything he does in the community is just unbelievable. It is 7.44. Well, I'm, go- I'm going to read this text to 6.30, from John. And uh, you are all entitled to your, I truly believe, uh, you're not entitled to your own facts, but you're entitled to your own opinions. And sometimes on a show like this, we share opinions. John has texted in. He goes, Reed, I like every type of music but country. It is auditory diarrhea. <laughs> well, that, that's, uh, that's quite an image, first of all. Uh, it is auditory diarrhea. John wins the text of the night. We don't have any prizes for that. He just gets to, no. to win text of the night. It's- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bragging rights. 745, Justin Sorensen, Eskimo Center when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Makita passing away at the age of 78. The NHL great spent his entire 21-year career with the Chicago Blackhawks. Went into the Hall of Fame in 1983. Helped Chicago win the Stanley Cup in 61. Won the Hart in 67 and 68. An incredible career. 541 goals. 926 assists in 1,394 regular season games. He will be missed and remembered fondly. It is 749. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad, your Eskimos visit BC on Thursday and back delivering the ball to Mike Riley from injury is center Justin Sorensen. Justin, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Uh, looks like uh, looks like you are, are good to go on Thursday. You feeling pretty good after having a list miss last week's game? Yeah, back in action. Now, what are you like in a week when you're uh, not quite healthy enough to pay, play, Justin? Are, are you a, a bit of a basket case, pacing the sidelines? Or are you a cheerleader? Or are you uh, try to be a bit of an assistant coach? Uh, how do you handle it when you can't go? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the comm side and, and definitely more like the assistant coach side. Okay, so are you? Were, I I know I saw you on the sidelines during the game. Were you actively talking to guys, or do you uh, do you think maybe that's a time to to stay out of it? How, what did you do during the game? No, I talk to guys, and like when when the offense is on the field, I stand with our offensive line coach and I help him. Like I just tell him what I see and stuff like that, and help him see, help him with that. And then when the guys come to the sideline, I help them out too. Now, in terms of what I make sure that eyes out there. Now, now, in terms of Thursday's game, what did you see? Because Chris Jones and the Riders are, well, Chris Jones as a defensive coach, are known for uh, trying to confuse offenses as much as possible and doing some unusual things. What did you see their d- defense doing on Thursday? Uh, just a lot of that. They run a lot of exotic fronts and bring blitzes from all different corners and angles and stuff. And, and I mean, yeah, he's known for that. and He definitely held up to his motto this past game, that's for sure. Tell me a little bit about David Beard, one of the younger guys on your offensive line. Obviously, uh, I know he was drafted out of the U of A two or three years ago. He had to slide over and, and take on some responsibility. What, what, what's your report on David here? Oh, I thought he, I thought he played well. I mean, obviously the offensive line didn't play as good as we normally do. I mean, giving up four sacks in a game isn't, isn't the best. But when Sask has got a great defense, and like I said, they send a whole bunch of different looks at us, and so it was, it was a tough game out there just trying to identify everything. But for the most part, I thought guys did really well, and there was just a few breakdowns that hurt us. All right, Justin Sorensen from the Edmonton Eskimos joining us on Inside Sports. Look, you guys have been able to win three in a row. You're up to five and two on the season. Uh, I know you're disappointed in the couple losses that you did have, but Justin, take us through uh, this point of the season in uh, in your mind. I, I don't want to use the word satisfied because you're always looking to get better, but how would you assess the first seven games? 
Oh, I mean, if you come out of the first seven games with five wins and two losses, I think pretty much any team would be happy. Uh, but we're not quite satisfied because people down the road are seven and zero. So that means we still got some catching up to do, and we can't we can't lose any any easy ones that we need to win. And so, but I mean, we're just concentrated. We're we're working and concentrating on us and on us getting better every game. Not not so much the opponent. It's just because we think if we can play at our highest level, we don't think anybody can stop us. And that's not so much has to do with the opponent that has to do with our own prep and our own and our own organization and stuff. And so we're we're just concentrating on us and trying to be the best team we can be right now. And the offense has shown the ability to be very explosive this year. I mean, you've put up uh, over 40 points a couple of times. Obviously, some big plays late in that game against Saskatchewan to get the win. Um, you know, as a, as a lineman, uh, you're obviously a, a lot engaged in the in the guy or two across from you. And maybe you don't even see all the big plays go down necessarily. But how, what can you tell us about the, the big play ability of the offense and how that affects your job as a lineman? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, we, we, we kind of live and die by the, the deep ball and big plays, and that's good, but we can do that because we have such great athletes out there. I mean, our receiving core is pretty it's pretty darn good, and so it's hard for them to cover three or four guys that long of a time. And so as an offensive lineman, what it comes down to is if we can give Mike time and we can give him that three, four, five, six seconds to get it, find the guy who's open downfield, he can make plays and, and hit those guys deep. You're going into BC. Uh, is what is this? Does this feel? Is there anything there for you playing the Lions anymore? I mean, you're from that part of the world. Uh, you wore the uniform, or is, or is that all behind you now? No, I, I always have a, a little bit of a grudge against the Lions because they're the only team that's ever released me. And so Wally cut me after my going into my third season in the league, and I, I mean, I've, I always hold that grudge against them a little bit. And so, yeah, for sure, I always have a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder when I play them. You have family and friends coming to the game, do you think, or or not? Do you not know yet? Uh, to, to be honest, most of my family lives out here, down the road in Red Deer now. But I have lots of friends back in Vancouver, so yeah, I'll, I'll have a bunch of friends out at the game. Okay, good stuff, uh, Justin. Give give me a sense of what you had to do to get your body um, back from the injury. Was this was this rest? Was it? Uh, massage table was it some sort of physio? I know it wasn't a major injury, but give us uh, tell us behind the scenes what an athlete goes through to make sure he's back as quickly as possible. What was your experience here? Uh, well, every injury is different, and actually, this one was just a weird one for me. I uh, my, my my shin I got hit in the shin and it got infected. So actually, I spent a few days in the hospital. And it was just getting on antibiotics and and trying to get the swelling down, all that kind of stuff. And so every injury is different. So this one for me was just. Getting that, getting that poison out of the body, and and uh, and getting that swelling down, so I could so I could practice and play. Well, that sounds scary. W- w- did you always think it was going to be pretty short term, or was there a little worry it might keep you out longer than a week? Uh, at the start, when they were doing some tests, there was a little scare that it could be something worse than it was. But uh, once the tests cleared, then I was I figured I'd be back fairly soon. Okay, good stuff. Well, Justin, the team's uh, doing well lately. Obviously, another big game coming up here in a couple days against the Lions. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports. Always good to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you very much. That is Justin Sorensen, center for your Edmonton Eskimos. So he's back uh, snapping to Riley, protecting Riley. Eskimos at Lions on Thursday, 6 o'clock for the pregame show. Game will start at 8 here on 630 Chet. 
Second period coming up at Rogers Place. No score between Canada and Slovakia at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Canada 1-0 after that 10-0 win over Switzerland last night. How about the Edmonton prospects? They are still rallying in the top of the third. They've already scored four, just one out. They're up 4-1 on Medicine Hat. Game two of that best of five. The uh, division final, the series back at REMAX Field tomorrow at 7 for Game 3. And uh, the Blue Jays allowed four in the top of the eighth. They get one back in the bottom of the eighth. But now in the top of the ninth at Rogers Center, they trail the Red Sox 5-4. Fun show tonight. Besides Justin Sorensen, you heard from Chris Sheets, Pat Steinberg, Jordan Blundell, Jesse Cray, and Travis Lule. We'll back tomorrow with more of a preview of the Eskimos and the Lions. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.